Shepherdess at Harmony Farms, where we encourage you to think big, start small, and don't quit. Today's episode of the Shepherdess podcast features Rachel Hester of Whoopsie Daisy Farm. She's running a small-scale sheep dairy for personal consumption on eight acres in Kentucky. We're going to talk the ins and outs of dairy sheep in today's episode, but please remember that these podcasts are brought to you by Shepherdist.com, where I provide you with supplies and resources to launch your very own sheep farming journey as a beginner. My free resource of the week is a one-hour raising, grazing, and marketing sheep micro masterclass. It's 100% free, and you're going to find it, along with all of my other free resources, under the free training tab at Shepherdist.com. I am so excited to have Rachel Hester at Whoopsie Daisy Farms. We're talking dairy sheep, we're talking dairy breeds, milk yield, health benefits, and more. Rachel, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's get started. Whoopsie Daisy Farms, when did you start? Give people a 10,000 foot view of your story, your homestead, and what you're doing. All right, so both my husband and I always wanted to farm. His grandpa has, I think, 40 acres in North Alabama, just had meat cows. So he he grew up, you know, doing rural things on all of his breaks and that kind of stuff. I just remember living in Southern California, looking at the little kids' books with ducks and sheep, and I was like, oh, I want to farm. My parents were like, there's no money in farming. Don't do it. So, you know, I just kind of wrote that off. So fast forward, my husband and I meet. We get married. He donated bone marrow donated bone marrow a month after we got married and it just wiped his health out so we I, I basically at one point just walked into a health food store and i was like i don't care what it is how much it costs how weird it is give me something to help them out and so they i think they need probiotics and iron and they just kind of started pointing me in the right directions for health and wellness long story short i ended up going to school for nutritional therapy and that is where i heard about the great wonderful joel salatin and so I remember like they just mentioned him as someone who produced food that was good and nutritious. And so I checked a local library. They had a sheer ecstasy of being a lunatic farmer. I checked it out, brought it home, started reading it. And I started reading out loud to my husband and he's like, this guy's funny and he makes sense. And like, I could farm if I did it that way. And I was like, I could farm that way too. So we had been looking at buying a house anyway and this was in 2016 or 17, I think. So we found eight and a half acres and a foreclosure. And we were like, okay, we'll, we'll just do that. So of course we started with, you know, the obligatory chickens and we were going to get the obligatory goats and we were going to do like, you know, we were going to do, do a Salison model just at a much smaller scale. So the pandemic hit and Everyone was buying toilet paper and pasta and panic buying that. I went and panic bought two sheep. I was like, I don't have a source of red meat. We can't have a cow. And we were going to get goats and that fell through because of the pandemic. And so these, these two sheep popped up and I messaged later, I'm like, can I get them? And she's like, yeah, come get them. So we brought these two sheep home and we just kind of fell in love with them. And they were, they were two border lusters, which is technically a wool breed and it's a long wool breed. And so I was like, well, we might as well get some milk out of them too. So I started trolling Facebook again and we got to dairy crosses and now we have over 20 sheep and a couple different breeds and 
my entire life is now sheep. That is incredible. All right, we're going to segue right into, I get questions at these conferences I go to, dairy sheep, dairy sheep, dairy sheep. Just starting with some general questions, let's go for mm -hmm. breeds. Give people a 101 on the breeds they have to choose from when they're looking for dairy sheep. We are in an interesting situation in the United States. So all of the dairy breeds in the United States currently, except for one, are in a breeding up program and they do not have breed associations, except for one, which is the Clune Forest breed. So Clune Forest are the only ones with a breed association, but the other three breeds of sheep that are in the breeding up program in the United States currently is the East Frisian, which is kind of the most well-known breed, but that's more like the Holstein of the sheep dairy world. They can produce up to a gallon a day if, if they've been managed for that. So they're a larger breed and they're very, very friendly. They are so delicate. They have some health issues that other breeds of sheep don't even have. So I have actually quite a bit of East Frisian genetics in my flock. I don't have any high percentage breeds, which is, we can't say purebreds because they're not 100% East Frisian, but they're high percentage. I don't have very high percentages. I don't particularly want high percentages in my flock because they are so fragile. The next breed of sheep, which actually globally is the most popular breed of sheep for dairy is the Awasi breed, and they are from the Middle East. They're also very large. They have a little lower milk production, but they're incredibly hardy. They do great in desert conditions. They actually can be in jungle conditions. They're really good mothers. Their temperaments are either really, really sweet or absolutely crazy. Like, and there's not really a breed standard for their temperament or whatever. With Awasis, there are not very many breeders in the United States. And <laughs> The main drawback is they're a fat-tailed breed of sheep. So in some, their tails are as large, if not larger, as their udder. And so the Awasi ram has to kind of do some gymnastics to breed the sheep. So other breeds of sheep cannot do this. <laughs> so that makes sense in the terms of, you need to know that for the fact that they can't really be crossed for some biological. Right. The breed that you're running, did you necessarily start with the intention of dairy or did you just make it work? Can people do that? Here's my thing that I will say in my book several times, and I say it to people all the time. You can you can milk anything that lactates, okay? My sister has milked a cat once. There is a company in Italy that makes cheese out of pig milk. You can milk anything that lactates. Should you is the main thing. So I've, I've actually talked to a lot of people who milk Katahdin's. They tried it and they said, hey, it's delicious. So they just kind of kept on. With non-dairy breeds, you're going to have a shorter lactation time. Some do not respond well to milk sharing, so that that will present some management decisions for you. And if you hand milk, the term jelly bean teat is one you really need to know because I have one you and she's a heritage breed and I literally have to milk her with my pinkies. So she's she's actually gonna be for sale, not because she's bad or, you know, terrible. She's a great you, she's one of my favorite in personality and she has, you know, amazing fleece and wonderful mothering personalities. It's just, I can't milk her by hand and I'm not investing in the milking machine right now. So you do kind of need to keep that in mind. If you want to milk a non-dairy breed of sheep, you can. Lactation time's gonna be shorter, let them will be different, udder size and teat formation on the udder and size for your hands or machine will be different or you can get Nigerian dwarf attachments for a milking machine and do that too. Dairy breeds of sheep weren't really developed until 
the 18th century when breeds became very specific. It was actually really common for small farmers in England to milk sheep because there were so many sheep around, you know, and they would just take a little bit extra and make some cheese or whatever. And then during the Industrial Revolution, it was actually a really proactive, concerted effort to condemn sheep dairy by the powers that be in literature and whatnot as barbaric and uncivilized because they wanted people to raise cows so they could get a cheaper source of protein for the factory workers. All that being said, that's pertinent because there are a lot of breeds of sheep who actually were traditionally used for dairy that you would never really think of for dairy. Like Border Lesters are great dairy sheep. That's actually one of, you know, my first sheep was at Border Lester. And then she dropped a lamb and I was like, well, let me just see because I mean, her udder looked like it was this thick. I, I joked it was a fanny pack udder, but her teeth were very large and she outproduced my dairy crosses and it was very creamy and very lovely. We lost her to parasites, which I still miss her sometimes because she was such a good little sheep. But so border lusters were used. A lot of long wool breeds were used for dairy. Black Welsh Mountain were used for dairy. But if you if you look at a lot of more traditional breeds of sheep, you can typically find some some use of dairy somewhere if you dig deep enough. And you can get a lot more nutritional density out of sheep milk than you can goat or cow. Yeah, yeah, perfect. That is actually exactly one of the topics I'm going to go into. I wanted to touch a little bit and get more specific on milk yield. Somebody has a dairy sheep. What should they or could they expect day um, after day? So a phrase that I use a lot is breed and feed. My girls could produce a liter apiece per day. I think the highest I have for East Frisian is, is 50%. In, with, with East Frisian genetics. Like I said, some East Frisians will produce a gallon. I get about a quart a day, which I'm happy with because I do not feed corn or soy. I feed my girls mainly alfalfa pellets with sunflower seeds, shredded beets. I put barley and oats in there too, and then flax seed. And I mix that up, which again, if you want to start a fight, go tell a bunch of dairy people that you can't you're not doing corn or soy and you'll get informed a lot about yourself <laughs> because you can't do that. So I, I do because I don't digest corn or soy very well. It messes up my hormones. And then what we've noticed is that our sheep's propensity for mastitis has just plummeted since taking them off the corn and soy. But some people don't feed them anything. Some shepherds I interviewed in Romania, they have a big paddock. The shepherds sit at the front of the gate. They let one you out, they grab her by the teats, they don't let go till they milk her out, and then they let her go, and on she goes, and they don't get anything besides threats to be lamb chops for their behavior. So mm. so some people can go 100% grass-fed on a sheep dairy if there's enough grass. Yeah, uh, you want to have really good forage, you need great topsoil, and the other big, big, big thing is you have got to move those girls once that grass is under five inches. That's where Homunctus contortus lives, is four inches to five inches. So if you're going to be 100% grass-fed, you are either going to have to move those girls and not put them back on that grass for at least two months, or you're gonna have to douse them in chemicals because they won't have the mm -hmm. amount of proteins from just the grass to produce milk and have parasite resistance. Do you have a recipe for that? Or is that gonna be in your book for the non-GMO corn-free, soy-free feed? I, I hesitate to give people exact amounts of things because you know, if you're not selenium deficient in your particular soil, if I give you my recipe for a selenium heavy diet for your sheep, your sheep could get selenium poisoning. Alfalfa is a really great place to start for your base. So that that is the majority of what I have because it's high in protein. The thing with alfalfa is that it's a goiterogen. So I always serve alfalfa with free choice seaweed. 
out for my girls because the, the iodine will offset the goitrogenic properties of alfalfa. So, which again, will get me in trouble in sheep boards because you can't feed savory the sheep. There's too much copper and sheep need copper. <laughs> they don't need as much copper as goats, but they do need copper. So they do just be aware if you tell. That's one of the big things I think in the sheep world is, is take them off of all copper. And that actually does cause fertility issues and deficiencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on and so forth. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to give them too much copper too quickly, but if it's in a whole food form like seaweed, they will be fine. Sheep will actually swim out to sandbars and graze seaweed if they have access to it. Speak to the corn, soy, GMO stuff actually coming through in the end products. A lot of people don't think about that, but it's something I've heard more of lately. Yeah. So I have just noticed if I'm eating something that eats corn and soy, I don't feel as good. So there is a study that I was reading this afternoon where they were basically playing with sheep's diets to see if they could affect the fat content in the milk. And they were noticing a huge difference in using flax and canola. But the end result of the study was if you're feeding your sheep these high omega-3 type products, the milk is different. And then the bacteria in the milk was completely different. And the sheep actually had less microbes that could lead to mastitis with the flax and lupins than if they didn't have it. I bought three ewes that were on a corn molasses mm-hmm. blend. They all came back with mm-hmm. mastitis. Yeah. It yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. Our, our ewes, our first two dairy ewes, the farmer just told us straight up, like, they get mastitis, so just know you're going to have to deal with that. And they don't now that they're not on that. So corn and soy ferment very quickly, especially corn. And the sheep's digestive system is a big fermentation vat. So grass Mm -hmm. and leaves and sticks and stuff ferment at a much slower rate and it's a different kind of fermentation than a grain is especially a grain like corn where it has so much sugar in it so i mean is a little bit of corn going to kill your sheep no it's but a a snickers bar here and there's not going to kill us either but if all you're eating is snickers bars you're going to have problems i'll put one of the things i want to talk about is the big p which is the parasites when sheep are lactating, or at least when mine are, they are yes. very sensitive to parasites. Do dairy sheep, are you to expect year-round no. lactation? My sheep will lactate for a solid six months. If it's a higher genetic percentage of like yeast free genetic, eight solid months is what you're pretty much looking at. I don't like using chemicals on a consistent basis, but essentially you're going to have to take a multi- attack approach because there's not one parasite that likes sheep. That's one thing I didn't know going into shepherding was like, I have to protect my sheep from literally all directions. My first year was like, I'm doing everything naturally. And there, there is a time and place for that, especially with how much parasites are growing resistance to chemicals. This year we are gonna use chemicals, which makes me so sad, but we just, we need to have that insurance. I mainly deal with barbapole worm. There's a couple really good herbal companies on the market. Landapabola is one, Molly's Herbals is another. We use rotational grazing. I give them copper boluses. You just get it from tractor supply in the goat section. You wanna watch because different breeds require different amounts of copper. So black sheep always require more copper than lighter color sheep. Old farmers used to keep one black sheep in the flock. And if that sheep starts showing signs of mineral deficiency, they need to give their whole flock something. We could do a whole episode just on parasites because there's so many things, you know, if they have a high parasite load and you zap them with chemicals, they may still die because when all those parasites die, they're leaving all those holes in their intestines and the sheep bleeds out. So we actually use a horse supplement called Red Cell when we have to use chemicals to shore up their 
blood, iron, and stuff like that. A really funky remedy that I had started using is I will make kefir out of my sheep milk and drench the ewes with it. And it gives their gut flora a boost and they're able to offset the parasites a little bit better. I hate parasites, but we live in a fallen world. What do you do? Yeah. So. Exactly. I think that's one of the perspectives I, because I was at the same place. I started in three years ago when I was like, we're going to not have death because we have regenerative right. agriculture. But to be honest, as a Christian, I know that that's always going to be an uphill yeah. battle. And we got to balance this understanding of we're still working right. with the curse. And it brought a lot of peace. Yeah, I think. that that's one thing we've really had to adopt a mentality of if this animal dies on our watch, what do we learn from it? And then I just take the perspective of, I will learn and do better afterwards because of this animal sacrifice. All right, so let's talk about the health benefits of sheep dairy. Are there health benefits that sheep dairy holds over cow dairy, goat dairy? Yes, I am a big proponent of raw milk. I should just tell you that out of the gate. So when I'm talking sheep milk, I am not talking my nice, raw, beautiful, organic sheep milk compared to that swill in the grocery store that is commercial dairy. No offense to dairy farmers. So this is raw sheep milk compared to raw cow milk, which raw cow milk from clean sources have incredible health benefits. We did a herd share with A2A2 organic jerseys from the Amish for several years. And the summer we started milking our sheep, we were shocked at how many health issues that just kind of went away with the sheep milk. So they have the highest amount of healthy fats. The sheep milk does, has the highest amount of healthy fat. It has the highest amount of protein between goat, cow, and sheep milk. It has the highest amount of B vitamins. It has the closest amount of lactose to human milk. I think Nourishing Traditions has a recipe for infant formula to replace breast milk and that you have to add all like cod liver oil and all these and egg yolk and all these things to make the cow milk more digestible for the baby. And you don't have to go to those extremes with sheep milk. There is a whey protein and in all milk called lactoferrin and, and that's present in goat, cow and sheep milk, but it's the highest in sheep milk. Studies are showing lactoferrin has neuroprotective effects, which means it will protect your brain from Alzheimer's and depression. It will clean out oxidative stress held in the hippocampus. So if you have mental disorders or PTSD, it helps just soothe your brain when it has those storms of panic. Lactoferrin also has antiviral activity that's been shown to be effective against HIV and hepatitis C. It inhibits growth of cancer cells. It does a lot to disrupt communication between, I think they've done studies on breast cancer, colon cancer, it basically disrupts the cancer cell's ability to talk. That's lactoferrin. That's just one of the proteins in the sheep milk. It's wow. also really high in proline. It's a protein synthesizer. So right now taking collagen is a really hip thing to do. Sheep milk is very high in proline, which is the precursor for collagen. So it influences the synthesis of hemoglobin in your blood. It matures white blood cells faster. So that's immunological properties and it protects against neurological disorders like Alzheimer's. Newborn babies when they're born are 12% proline. So I am drinking the sheep milk right now. <laughs> there was one study I found and I, I have been trying to get more information on it, but I think the study is still ongoing. So they're not really sharing the information, but all of the milks have betaine type properties in it, which if you don't know, betaine is a stomach acid we use to digest food and 
cow milk at least has enough betaine if it's raw to digest itself. Sheep milk has more betaine, so it will help you digest other foods. Like people talk about superfoods all the time, and I'm like, sheep milk's not just a superfood; it's like a medicine. So wow. Yeah. Let's segue into the personal testimonial. You're talking a little bit on how the sheep milk has really fixed things in your life. Would you share a little bit about exactly what those were and yeah. what you saw? Uh, so my husband is in emergency services, like I said. And if you are in emergency services and in your 30s, you have IBS. That's just what happens. Um, he also has PTSD from various sources. He also has a penchant for eczema. I had eczema when we had sheep. I had it on the backs of my ears into my scalp and it was would go down into my ear canal at times, which it was awful. And so I was told I would be on steroids the rest of my life. So I have been I have been trying so many things. I tried herbs, I tried liver cleanses, I tried all kinds of things. And after a month or two of drinking sheep milk, it just was kind of gone. Now, again, you know, that's not a promise that's going to work for everyone. And eczema is a weird thing because it's either digestion or it's adrenal or stress response. Like it can come from a couple different sources and it, it knocks whatever source I had out of the water. So wow. I was really happy about that. Mental health runs in my family. So I've always kind of struggled with, I'll have days of just not feeling motivated or down or whatever. And the, the B vitamins and sheet milk have really helped just kind of not make that an issue with ptsd it's basically triggered a lot of times by high cortisol high cortisol happens when your body is hungry or tired or whatever so with my husband like if he gets too tired he gets too hungry he just those levels start rising you can tell and cold glass of sheep milk those levels go right back down mm. so we had fertility issues and i'm expecting a baby next month so there was a couple different factors besides just the sheep milk, but you know, yeah. the sheep milk was a big thing. So, well, how long have you been really making this a regular part of your diet? So it's, this is like our third and a half year with sheep milk and we're not drinking it year round because I didn't know that you have to cool the milk a certain way and then warm it up a certain way. So I just milked it, strained it, threw it in the freezer, pulled it out on the counter and had cheese, not anything to drink. So mm. I did make quite a bit of sheep milk soap. So the, the sheep mm -hmm. milk soap, I was using that as well as drinking it when my eczema cleared up. So, and then okay. I always have had really thin, 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 thin hair. It breaks super easy. And I started making sheep milk shampoo and I don't have to use conditioner. I don't have to do hair treatments. I, I would have to like use tons of conditioner and then put like a hair treatment then afterward, afterwards and be really careful about how dry my hair got. and. I mean, I don't use conditioner anymore. I just use a sheet milk a shampoo bar and wash my hair. So, yeah. So this is super good. We are here at the end of our hour, but I want you to have a little plug here for your project that you are working on right now. What are you doing for the sheep milk community? I am writing a book on homestead dairy sheep. It is scheduled to come out at the end of September, beginning of October, if everything goes according to plan. And it is being published by Sawdust Publishing, which is a brand new independent publishing company. It's basically my, here's how to, as a small homesteader, get sheep milk and enjoy it. I cover our, our story into sheep milk. I have a whole big chapter on all the benefits of sheep milk. I'll go over all these amino acids and proteins and stuff that I shared with you. And then I go into 
do the how to do the ram prep and keeping a ram well and then breeding season while the sheep are, are gestating and then lambing season and then i have a whole chapter on how to train a sheep so that you can train them to go into a milking stanchion and then i talk about ways to harvest the sheep milk so the, the goal is we want the book available in print at homesters of america we will do a pre-order you can watch Sada's publishing for announcements and then you can go to my website and sign up for the email list and I will be sending out updates on that so so where can people go on social media to follow you in the meantime social media plus your website I'm on Instagram and Facebook it's just whoopsie daisy farm and then my website is whoopsie daisy farm.com and you can email me at whoopsie daisy farm at gmail.com perfect